<laughs> I've got that uh, on the recording. That sounded awesome. That didn't sound good. Ow! That was my vintage 1974 Bugs Bunny Burger King mug oh, bouncing no. off my already crampy foot. It's not broken, is it? No. And cool. it's 1972, and it's oh, mine. My bad. <laughs> the hero mugs are mine. Stacy has the... Ow! My foot's already cramping. Hey, could you by any chance fill a plastic cup with some water so I'll actually have something to drink that won't kill me? The Major Spoilers Podcast is sponsored in part by Megacon, February 27th to March 1st in Orlando, Florida. For more information, visit megaconvention.com. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and we will go into detail about the topics we discuss. So if you haven't read, listened to, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this week's issue, it's a cartoon wonderland as we seek out braveness, boldity, heroism, and truthiness. Wolverine leads the X-Men, though hopefully they don't go into battle in a giant koala pouch. New York Comic-Con. New York Comic-Off. Comic-Con, Comic-Off. The Comicer. <laughs> the devil made slick do it, at least as far as you know, and the Legion of Superheroes goes once again quietly into that good night. Stay tuned for a reboot in three, two, one. Call me Continuity Lad, Steven's Interrupter Boy, and Rodrigo can be the new Matter Eater Lad because that's pretty much all Rodrigo eats. <laughs> the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome to another exciting issue of the Major Spoilers uh, Yay! show. Yay. Like I can't believe we just had the uh, the anniversary 75th episode <laughs> issue not too long ago. Mm -hmm. yeah, I hope you guys that's... bagged and boarded that one and tried to sell it at a comic convention for three times its worth, which is still zero, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just... I made that joke the other day. Oh, you did? Okay. About the one Major my... Spoilers podcast? Thank no, you. One of my coworkers came to me and said that the reason that she was into men and women was that it doubled her dating chances. And I said to myself, <laughs> two times zero is still zero, dear. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch. The New York Comic Con took place this past weekend. And we were very jealous not to be there, am I? Yes, I was. Oh, oh my goodness! Where were my press passes, Schleicher? What do you? What do you? What yeah, do you? that's what we need to do. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, did you guys uh, find any interesting bits of information? Did you suss anything from the uh, from the news filtering out from the con that struck your fancy? That stood out to you? That really said, "Hey, this is noteworthy of discussion." No, had, <laughs> <laughs> no not really. I had one that stuck with me. Okay. You have been opining for a while now uh, in the wake of uh, Final Crisis, which is not final, yes. and Secret Invasion, which was far from secret. Right. Nor was it At really an invasion. Secret Invasion's over. Yeah, but I mean, in the wake of that, you have been, you know, kind of voicing your feeling that maybe the event-based publishing needs to go by the wayside for a while. Right. And I'm pretty sure that both Marvel and DC said, nope, still sells. That's right, because... Both uh, Joe Quesada and and Dio said, "Well, our our numbers say differently." Fans asked about this. Can you just stop doing these event comics for a while? And they're like, "No, these are where our big sales are at, are in these event comics. So we're going to be continuing event comics and to, for the foreseeable future." Now, I can't remember if it was Dio or Quesada. One of those two did say 
The only way that you guys can get us to stop doing these is stop buying them. Vote with your wallet. But here's the problem. Uh, especially at major spoilers, people have questioned us many a time. Why do you give such net? Why do you review things that you don't like? Well, there are certain events that certain comics that we have to cover that we really should cover. Death of Captain America, the death of Batman in the three or four issues that he died recently. Final Crisis. You know, these are big and comics I? that are big industry comics that need to be covered. And maybe we like them, maybe we don't. Mm-hmm. Other times we may have a favorite title that we are fans of. Rodrigo with the uh, the Ghost Rider and the Witchblade. And he may come across a, a title that, you know, an issue that he just doesn't care for. Mm-hmm. And so in, I guess in response to that, we have to write about these kinds of things. And... So therefore, I think the same thing happens with these event comics. People hear that it's a big event comic, like Final Crisis, and so they go out to buy it just to see what it's all about. And unfortunately, people don't learn, like the movie box office does, that if something stinks the first week, you don't go back the second week to watch it again, Mm -hmm. and that's why the box office numbers drop off so dramatically. Instead, we keep buying and buying and buying because we want to see this train wreck finally happen. Right. Well, I th- I think there's there's kind of a problem in that the box office for, say, a seven issue crisis miniseries, written by we'll call him Frant Horison. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's the it, boring, the yeah. people who who keep coming back and spending their tree for five dollars every month, are not equivalent to the people who don't come back every week to see the new crappy movie. It's equivalent to the people, and they're increasingly rare who will walk out on the first half of a movie. Yeah. I mean, I sat and I watched Gili in the theater, for, and I, I paid money to watch Gili in the theater, mm, and I didn't chance. walk out on it simply because, well, for two reasons. One, the only movie that I've ever walked out on was Cyborg starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, and secondly, you know, it's it's like six bucks and I'm in the air conditioning. Yeah. You know, you, you have to look at something like, to me, Final Crisis, I didn't necessarily get it. But I also kind of get the feeling that the point wasn't to get it. The point was to kind of be part be of the there. adventure. Yeah. 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 To get to the end of it and go, wow, that, you know, that was either awesome or that didn't make any sense. And what's the DC universe going to be like now? And hey, are they going to reboot the Legion? And what, what, who, what, what? Hey, I really like, you know, Lolita Canary's costume. <laughs> and by the way, I, I really, really do. But that's not the point. <laughs> um, the, um, the event-driven comics, to me, aren't the problem. An event-driven comic doesn't, in and of itself, have to suck. The problem that I have, and this is especially prevalent at Marvel right now, is the event is the point. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting to that moment where Norman Osborn has taken over the world in Dark Reign was the whole point of Secret Invasion. And I feel like, and you know, I, I will say a name because there's a specific name that I associate with this type of writing. It's kind of hurry up and wait writing, and it's Brian Michael Bendis, to where you get, you know, several issues of New Avengers that are just like, okay, now I'm holding for this story beat, and right. blam, there it is. Right. And now we're holding for this, and we're giving you six issues of Secret Invasion that build up to this, and now we're going to go, oh, yeah, by the way, the Wasp is dead. Norman Osborn took over the world. Hey, isn't that cool? Get out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's the equivalent of of uh, I've said it before, hearing a joke from a four year old. They're so excited to get to the punchline and set up whatever they're setting up or go on, you know, to their new toy that there, there's no follow through right now, especially, you know, like, like I say, I 
I bag on Marvel for this type of mercenary tactic. But it's it's true of DC. Heck, it's true of Dark Horse and Image as well. We're getting so tied up in, like, say, Invincible number 50 and what happens in that big anniversary issue that the issues that lead up to it may feel a little lackluster because right, we're trying to get to that big event. Right. In, instead of taking that story and organically going, you know, if number 50 is the point where the where the story beat would have normally happened, that's fine. But if it's something where the story should have ended at 48, but you drag it out those extra two issues or say a story could have been easily told within the within the Batman title, but you drag it out so that Final Crisis can have the big, you know, reveal that Bruce Wayne is dead, only he's not, only he is, only he's not. Turns out, you know, he's a caveman. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know, the event comic or the event, uh, the events are continuing, and you thought you saw the last of Final Crisis. Check this no. out. Four more Final Crisis miniseries coming. Uh, coming in, I think it starts in May. There are going to be four six-issue miniseries. They're each going to come out, uh, all, you know, alternating weeks. So it will take what is that, six times, 24, 24 weeks to get through all of them. Hmm. So the first one that we have is Final Crisis Aftermath Run, which is going to feature the Human Flame. Final Crisis Aftermath Inc., which is going to feature the Tattooed Man. Uh, Final Crisis Aftermath Escape, which features Nemesis, which I don't know how that's going to work. That's going to be interesting. And then the final one is Final Crisis Aftermath Dance, which features the Super Young Team. Dance! Which, you know, if you think about it, I you know, when I first heard dance, I was like, okay, this is a joke. And then I thought, okay, what could that name mean? And I thought, well, you know, when you celebrate a victory, you probably dance. Hmm. And so I wonder if that's no, what No, it it's going to be six issues of DDR. It's going to be six issues of the super young team. Playing uh, dance, dance revolution. Yeah. Yep. Trying to figure out what it means to be a hero and be popular. And they, and, and, and uh, what's his name? Ian... I forget what his last name is, said it was going to be the sleaziest title of the four. Saddler? Ian yes, Saddler? Yes, yes. Right? He said it was going to be the sleaziest of the four. And before we get to that, though, Matthew, we have uh, Batman Battle for the Cowl. Now, we've previously canceled, or not we, DC has canceled, uh, Robin, Nightwing, and Birds of Prey, which, right. you know, for a couple <clears throat> months now, they've even actually taken Birds of Prey out of the Batman family of titles. Uh, this is what we're going to get in its place. Instead of six books, we're going to end up with eight books arriving in June. Detective Comics, Batman, Red Robin, Batman and Robin, Outsiders, Batgirl, Gotham City Sirens, and Batman Streets of Gotham. Eesh. And that's not even counting the uh, four or five one-shots uh, that just take place for Battle of the Cowl. Right, four or five. Whoops, we lost Matthew again. He'll be back. Give it a moment. I think he's opening a web page at this time, Rodrigo. Mm, yes. Dun, dun, dun. I believe when his computer tries to do something else, this often happens. Yes. So you were saying, Matthew. Hi there. You were saying, I, I said that there were going to be eight Batman titles, and then you started off saying something, and then your connection yes. went all wonky. I said something very clever. What I said was, if you have four or five one-shots, technically that adds up to ten. So, <laughs> really, the whole point of this is... There have been naysayers, even naysayers at major spoilers. I'd be one of who them. Have said, who have said Final Crisis cannot be final. But if they keep it going forever, <laughs> at, as they seem want to do, 
all they have to do is keep printing Final Crisis, you know, for the rest of our natural lives. Right. And it will indeed be final because. And, and probably just like they what they did with Countdown and they changed the Countdown to Final Crisis, maybe they'll secretly convert Final Crisis to Forever Crisis. Forever Crisis. Eternal Crisis. Eternal. Infinity Crisis on multiple <laughs> finite Earths. I think that's been done. Oh, the okay. Infinity the Infinite Crisis. crisis. All right. Infinite Rodrigo, crisis. was there anything that, that uh, popped out to you that you liked or disliked or that you saw well, I from thought, the New York uh, Comic Con? I, I was slightly confused because they were like, we're canceling Ultimate Spider-Man. Yes. And launching Ultimate Comics. Yes. Colon Spider-Man. Yes. With so a new they're... number one. Okay. It takes place... Sometime in the future, after mm. the events of Ultimatum. Okay. In the future, Spider-Man will have nine arms. Now, I'm hoping that this isn't so far into the future that they're actually bringing Ultimate Spider-Man 2099. That would be awesome. This. But uh, they did go? indicate that Peter Parker may not be the person under the mask, mm. which would be yeah, they weird. They're actually contractually obligated to make I that assertion so. I think every so. time they relaunch launch a spider title. So you, that was surprising to you. In fact, what they're doing is they're getting rid of the entire Ultimate line, mm-hmm. and they're creating Ultimate comics, but they're having four t- uh, is it two or four titles, I forget. One of them is Ultimate Spider-Man. The other one is Ultimate Avengers. The other one is the Ultimates. And the fourth one they haven't announced yet, but it is neither an X-Men book nor a Fantastic, a Fantastic Four. Four book. Hmm. Which is good. Yes, because so they're going to have Ultimate Avengers and the Ultimates. Yes, and they said that that will be clearly explained the reasoning in why in it would know when this new series launches. Uh, I see. see, Hawkeye is going to take a few Avengers to the West Coast, probably. The the uh, I'm actually liking the fact that they're not having an X Men or Fantastic Four title, and there's a very clear reason in my head why. For all intents and purposes, Fantastic Four. And forgive me for those of you who love the current run of Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four hasn't been Marvel's keynote comic probably since before Byrne left. No. Yeah. And people still, you know, people still associate it with being the capstone of the Marvel Universe because of its historical significance in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So, say, when 2099 lines started to take off, we had to have a Fantastic Four book. When the, you know, the Midnight Suns took off, we had to have a Midnight Suns Fantastic Four with Wolverine and Ghost Rider and, I don't know, a, a Grey Hulk wearing a hat. Oh, that was but, awesome. And like Spider-Man, they were all like, Papa, we're the Fantastic Four now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. He had a little bit too much caffeine before the show. Whee! And to some degree, they've now, in, the, in recent years, they've been doing that with the X-Men, where the X-Men, you know, has now for the last 15 to 20, 25 years been... Marvel's capstone that's been the center of their universe. And uh, let's be frank here. I read Ultimate X-Men. Ultimate X-Men, what could have been just as easily entitled X-Men, variations on a theme, but not too much variation so that you still buy it and love it and stuff. Right, right, right. So neither of those titles were really all that ridiculously innovative. So at the very least, you know, if this is really the ultimate universe and the future of Bloody Blue and Harf and Farf, then we can get away from that 60s paradigm that everything is based on Reed Richards' genius and that 90s paradigm that everything is based on Wolverine and Professor Xavier. I'm curious, the news that I thought you would be most interested in, Matthew, was the news that uh, you're going to have a Doctor Who monthly from IDW. I missed that. 
IDW. Was that supposed to be the Doctor Who theme? Because it sounded remarkably like In Search Of. Yeah, I think it was In Search Of. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let me find the actual bit here where it says Doctor Is it a bit Who. or yeah, is well, it it's a, a bite? It's a bite that <laughs> I pulled out of a bit. Uh, I can't see it now. Oh, Doctor Who becomes a monthly beginning in July. The first two issues find the Doctor in 1927 hooking up with Charlie Chaplin. Hopefully not the current uh, vernacular version of the phrase. So no, 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 no. I think we're talking about the. Uh, that's uh, the gay. Well, I think yeah. we're talking about the gay old time that they had in the twenties. <laughs> oh yeah, Doctor Who go. goes monthly. You know it's what I'm saying? It's a gay old time. <laughs> if yeah. you see what I'm. <laughs> that's gonna turn saying. into new slang. Is like, oh, didn't you hear? Clay Aiken went monthly. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to th- you know the one that uh that impressed me the most was Radical Publishing. I think they made two Radical really s- You know they're a small publisher. Mm-hmm. We've reviewed uh-huh. some of their titles here on the show and up on the Major Spoilers website in our review section. They made two announcements. The first one was that they're no longer going to print 22-page single issues that are a six, you know, a six-issue arc. Instead what they're going to do is they're going to print uh uh 40 what is it? 48 page issues and make them three issues per arc. So hmm. essentially they're taking that and they're cramming the six issue arc into three. But the best part is their pricing structure, instead of paying what, three ninety nine or three fifty for a single right. issue, for the forty eight pages you're gonna pay four ninety nine. So in a sense for that six issue arc, you're actually saving yourself two bucks in the long so run. Twice the content for what, a buck more? No, well, a buck more, yes, but you're also getting it. In the long run, you're getting it less for less. Nice. Right. But I mean, even when you break it down, if you have to go, and for some reason they think we have to, go to $3.99 for your base title and $4.99 for, you know, yeah, your deluxe book. titles, right. special titles, or, you know, from the companies that probably need to have a slightly higher price point to maintain their business. Right. I'd rather see more content or a different format. Something to try and mitigate this and say, you know, we're aware that $5 is – like I say, I'm a very fat man. I can eat for $5. Yeah. You know. Well, but it, I, you're right. 48 pages for 5 bucks is a heck of a lot better than yeah. 22 pages for four four three fifty or 4 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like that. That was my favorite news from the show. Uh, even though I'm I'm quite taken with these Adam Hughes Women of the DC Universe statues. They yeah, look, but you always are. They look so hot. They look so hot. And then, of course, Legion of Superhero action figures for the DC Universe line, the Justice League line, also look very sweet from Mattel. I think those come out in May, June, somewhere around there. I'm trying to get a hold of the Mattel lady so she will uh, send me the more info and maybe even a few that we can play around with and talk about on the show. Take Let that her know that. Girl, no, no, Cosmic Boy. For every Legion action figure that I am given for free, I will write one review of something that individuals in the Major Spoilers audience have, in fact, written. All right. So if you want to see a Major Spoilers review of your nephew's fourth grade composition, all it's going to take is an Ultra Boy. There you go. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. You get in contact with us. We'll uh, hook up the exchange. (laughs) 
and Matthew will write something nice about your kid. Now, uh, Attention, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. Do, 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 do. Is, there, is there a limit to that? Or like, are you going to have like 20 cosmic boys and end up going to a lot of school plays? <laughs> <laughs> there is a limit. And as with anything that I do, that limit is whenever I get bored. There you go. So two. Two or, action figures of each. See, I tried to collect when DC Direct several. Yeah, with well, those uh, original uh, Legion figures. Yeah, when they had the the original three, I think they ended up putting with out like four ten. or five. No, there were more than that. I've got four or the, five of them now. I may not have all of them. There was the original three, then yes. Brainiac, and then um, Monel. I know they did an Invisible Kid, an Element Lad, and Ultra you know Boy. If there was a figure in the package. A Timberwolf. <laughs> Uh, they did a variant chase. Shut up, Steven. <laughs> Those are my favorites. Here's- yeah, the shut up, Stevens are great. <laughs> Interrupter boy. <laughs> you know what the the great thing Meteor about your attractor lad. You know what the great thing about the Legion of Superheroes toys is. What's that? You can actually buy duplicates, and it's okay because there's like four different versions of, there of you each go. character. There you go. And the best part is you have to buy three triplicate girls. So right there, you no, there triple you go. your money. See, that's Mattel. They're brilliant. Yeah. Yep. Hey, if you want to hear. What went on at the DC panels? Kudos to DC. They got their podcast. They got their panels up on their DC Universe podcast up within like hours of the of the panel, which I thought was really great. Marvel, I haven't seen them do theirs yet, and I haven't seen any of the others. But DC, kudos to you guys for putting those up there. And if you want to listen to what happened, even though you may not be able to see the pretty pictures and the slides, you can actually hear the comments made by the people. DC Universe podcast or the DC Universe official podcast. That's cool. Yeah, I thought so. Somebody should do a podcast where guys just go and talk about comics, and one of them should be like really old, and one of them should be like really young, and then one of them should be really you annoying. Know, and, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> hmm. So then you'll have you know the guy who talks and talks and talks, and then you'll have the guy who throws in that that one pithy anime joke, and then you'll have <laughs> the other guy who interrupts them both. It'll be, you know, what they could call it. What's that? They could totally call it Captain Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I think we'd have to have a talk about that one. Really? Yep. Tetsuo. Okay. Anyway. Tetsuo! <laughs> we have a... We have a you know, I, I watched that whole thing, and there's no Iron Man in it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a uh, comment from Gomer. Uh, I'm hoping you touch on the news of Marvel producing new motion comics and the iTunes downloads. I wanted to comment and say that as an as an opponent of comics slow migration to online in lieu of standard paper books, I hope these motion comics take off in a huge way and maybe, just maybe, the standard comic book, non-moving concept will remain in its paper format. Well, and see, this is the thing. I, I've got something working here about this, but have you guys seen these motion comics? Have you watched the Watchmen motion comic or have you seen the ones that that Marvel has done. I'm pretty sure I've seen a couple of them and was not terribly impressed by them. I haven't been terribly impressed with them either, but apparently the kids are all hot for these things these days. This must mm. be the new thing. And um, <laughs> With their hula hoops and their... With their hoops and their... Their Navy Crockett hats. And yes. The, the thing is... Sputnik. Uh, here's the cool thing that Marvel is going to do. And again, you'd really have to go and listen to their podcast. But what, from what uh, I've seen on the various message boards, what Marvel is going to do is uh, um, the Spider-Woman title that they're coming out with. They're going to make that every single issue also a motion uh, co- comic that you mm. can buy on iTunes or through various sources. The thing is, the motion comic is going to come out X amount of time before the comic hits the stands. 
One report I saw one week, another report I saw two weeks ahead of the issue's release, which is a great way because you're hyping up the issue. But if it's the full issue and you already know what happens, there's less likely of a chance that you're going to go out and buy the paper issue. However, if Marvel does this right, and it is a success, what Marvel ends up doing is selling you that same issue twice, Hmm. both in the motion comic and then again in the paper comic and then again in the trade paperback. And then, yes, indeed, these will be collected into a DVD, which they'll get you to buy yet another time. So you people are going to buy this content again and again and again. If they're going to do motion comics, and I really want to see how these new Spider, Spider-Woman uh, comics are, I hope they're more animation and not like what we saw with that Invincible one mm-hmm. not too long ago, because I hated that. Yeah. Um, Matthew, your thoughts on motion comics, or Rodrigo, your thoughts on motion comics? Well, I think they're already treading a, a thin line between you know them actually being comics and straight up being animation. I wonder how long it's going to take for them to be like, you know what, we can just do a Flash animated feature yes. of Spider-Man or, Invis- or Invincible right. or whoever, you know, why and, and not have to base it off of a comic. Right. Matthew? I have a couple of thoughts. I, uh, I look at the whole motion comic thing as a fluke. There are a lot of precedents for it. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the original 1966 um, Marvel comics where they did the cartoons that were just chunks of lee and kirby comics yes Yes. with little with little clutch cargo animated mouths or something rejoice i am ultimate every time i see a motion (laughs) comic yeah every time i see a motion comic i think of those and how lame they were um (laughs) and back in the in the early way back in the late 90s uh there was an online comic called whirl girl that was essentially this kind of flash animated motion comic and I loved Whirl Girl because it was done well and it took advantage of the inherent limitations of the medium. Yes. Dave Gibbons' art is very, very pretty. Yes. But Dave Gibbons' art is the visual equivalent of Ray Bradbury's dialogue. It doesn't happen in nature. And those characters moving, to me, ruined their illusion. You put mm-hmm. Dr. Manhattan to where he's you know, actually moving and it's just – it's like a Botticelli painting coming to life and then playing with Tom and Jerry and hitting them over the head with you know a, a stick of beef or something. Well, and the worst but, part about that Watchmen comic or the motion comic is all the female parts were also done by the man, the the male person doing all the the voices. Hey, Doctor Manhattan. Hello, I am the Silk Specter. I am the Silk Specter, and this is how I talk because I am. The Silk Spectre. Hello. So, Matthew, you're not a big fan. No, I am the Silk Spectre's daughter. I'm not the same Silk Spectre. I'm a different one. <laughs> so but I'm her daughter. You're not a I'm big the fan. First one. You're not I'm a big st- fan of the motion comics. You are still the man. You gave me cancer. You, ha ha, how dare you? My name is Wally Weaver, and I'm not a Jimmy Olsen, so don't sue us. <laughs> um, I'll say this I love Clutch Cargo. Okay. But I don't want to read it every month. And any to me any attempt to take comics to another medium has to understand that there is there there is an attraction to buying a 22 page pamphlet every month and having that continuing story there's something there i mean it wouldn't even you know the 50 70 80,000 35 year old men who live in their parents basements and and read the comics now there's an attraction where you're like i want to read this in a comic format that doesn't mean I'm not going to buy a d- trade paperback or a DVD of these characters or go see the Iron Man movie. 
But it means to me motion comics belie the point that there's something about comics. It's a purely it, – I don't want to say you know natural format, but it's a weird incestuous format that's grown up out of the limitations of the media and the limitations of what happened to the point where if I'm not buying Legion of Superheroes in comic form – I may not want to buy a Legion DVD. I may not want to download the Legion. It's not the same mm-hmm. reading a webcomic of the Legion. So certainly I'm, I'm, I'm not adverse to any attempt to try and expand the medium or try to expand the audience. Yes. But I feel like motion comics takes away – well, it takes something from the comic that the comic does well, that whole meshing of, you know, pictorial juxtaposition of words and whatever Scott McCloud said. <laughs> yeah, something about the it, gutter in time. Right, and it adds that fifth dimension element of motion, and it adds voices. And anytime you add voices, it adds the problem of that voice is wrong. Yeah. And anytime you add motion, it, it, it kind of points out the fact that comic book art specifically big-name superhero titles from the big publishers, uses a lot of shorthand in terms of the way they break down a human figure. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at, say, the pectoral regions or Superman, and you look at that, and you try to find some of those muscles and shapes on a human, it doesn't happen. It's a shorthand way of showing he sure is muscular. Yeah. Yeah. And taking that and adding motion to it kind of undermines the whole point of comic books, which is, you know, here's this shorthand way or here's this specific lexicon that we use to show to, for instance, to simulate motion through that gutter, to simulate time, space and dimension. And now you're going to take that and you're going to actually add motion to something that was designed as a motionless panel right. or a motionless page. Right. And somehow, you know, it's it's kind of like – my old argument of hubcaps on a tractor. I'm sure you can buy them, but why would you want them? Yep, exactly. All right. You know? All right, so there, Gomer, there's our thoughts on Motion Comics. We'll have there was more far on... too much talking from Matthew. <laughs> we'll have more on digital comics and, uh, and digital downloads in eh, probably before you know it. What we like to refer to as digitality. So we got an, an email, another email, and really, you know what, folks, I would really appreciate no, not really appreciate because we don't mind reading your comments on, on the show. Uh, but you know what sounds so much better is when you guys record your comments and send them to us mm-hmm. because then it just shows everybody that we're one big family. And that way we don't make fun of your voice when we read these. Yes, hello. exactly. Hello. My name is the Legion of Superheroes. Speaking of learning about the Legion of Superheroes, <laughs> hi, Stephen. I'm a regular listener and reader of the major spoilers, and I have a Legion question to ask you or Matthew. Probably Matthew. I've just got into Legion of Superheroes. Congratulations, right at issue 50 as it ends. Uh, uh, I've just got into the Legion of Superheroes, and I'd like to read some reboot Legion from Wade and DNA. But there are only two trades out, right? The whole Legion Lost, Legion World, and and Mark Wade run aren't collected. Do you know why these aren't collected? Why uh, they haven't collected these issues? And are they worth seeking out? Thanks. Keep up the great site and the podcast from David. Well, let's see. First of all, if you go to any good comic book shop, they're going to have these ba- these uh, single issues in the back issue bin. Believe me, I have been scouring the comic shops of Kansas City, slowly building up. I've got all of the uh, 
almost all of the Archie Legion. Well, I've got all the Archie Legion complete, and I'm starting to work backwards. If you want the Golden Age Legion of Superheroes, those are collected in these really expensive little color volumes that Matthew, I'm sure, will talk about. And then if you're still interested in the cheap version of the Golden Age Legion, I would say go get those showcase editions mm-hmm. that I think there's two two of them out now, which tell all the stories in order, and so we're probably up to about the mid to late 50s in that second volume. Really? I think so. Because the Legion debuted in that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So we're somewhere in there. Uh, I, I right. don't know where we're at exactly in that. I'd have to go back. 64, 65. Yes, so we're in the serves. 60s then. <laughs> Silver Age. Wow. Which, makes, These, which makes perfect sense. What was it coming after the 50s Exactly. And all? These Matthew, showcases you, are really good. They are good. Yeah. That damn hey, man. time-traveling Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> the book started with a thousand-year trip in time, dude. Don't be too upset. <laughs> yes, okay. So please, uh, Matthew, fill in the rest of uh, of David's questions where he's asking do well, they have these collected? What what can we find? Where can I find them? Here's the deal, Eleanor. Um, no, David. Sorry, David. Yeah, I know. I was trying David. to do. My, I was doing my Doctor Cox, but I ended up doing Doctor Dorian, doing an impersonation of Doctor Cox, which kind of undermined the whole thing. So I, think, guns, I thought you kind of sounded like Kermit the Frog, actually. <laughs> Kermit the Frog here to talk about the Legion of Superheroes. Hello, I'm a white guy. <laughs> Hello, I'm Roger Laundry. Um, the uh, <laughs> what the hell were we talking? About? David had a question about the Legion of Superheroes. Hey, I like the Legion of Superheroes. Um, the trades of the Legion are problematical, and there's a couple of reasons why you don't see a lot of Legion trades. One. The Legion has become kind of a pocket, in some cases literally a pocket of the DC universe. But two, the way the, especially the reboot Legion, when they started out with uh, Wade and I think Roger Stern maybe, was very interrelated to where you had the the Legionnaires title and the Legion of Superheroes title coming out at the same time. They come out the same month. They had interweaving plot lines. But then each story had specific subplots that were only seen in that title. Right. So, uh, and you may remember, Stephen, when we were reading it in the 90s, every issue came with a little number on the cover. Yes, so you I love the that. order in which to read them. I like that, too, because now that I'm going back through my collection and going, when the hell did that happen? I can look at it. It'll say 1994, number seven. Yep. But it's difficult to reprint a lot of that stuff. And... Some of the Legion eras that I think are probably the easiest and the most fun for you to go and seek out, to me anyway, um, the Volume 4 Legion, where they're all grown up in a, a grim and gritty future. Yes. After the future that we already knew. So it's sort of the future of the future, where they're, you know, in, they're in a, a post-collapse universe and everything's very dirty and the technology is very kind of Star Wars instead of the old school Star Trek Mm-hmm. But you know that's a good run. Uh, Legion lost. I prefer the Legion that was uh, had the technology from Space 1999. Well, you do have that. That Legion lasted about three minutes in 1977. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Legion Lost is not available in trade paperback, and I'm not sure why. Uh, Legion Worlds again to me not collected, and I believe there are two trade paperbacks of the current uh, the WKRP Legion. 
the first, I think it collects like the first two arcs of the new Legion run. I would say probably one of the main reasons that they don't collect the issues is that Legion trades may not sell, you know, Hmm. Legion fans are of, of strange people. We are odd and, and, and we know our things, but a lot of times, you know, Legion fans are guys who are, and girls for that matter, who've been into the book for so long that they may be collecting just an era of the Legion. They may be collecting, you know, the Mike Grell Legion where they killed Chemical King, or they might be going back and just collecting the issues from Shooter's first run, which were actually good from like <laughs> 1967. You know, Legion collecting is a very strange thing. And honestly, when people come into, you know, this is purely anecdotal evidence. When people come into the store saying, hey, what have you got for Legion? Well, I've got three rows of Legion. I've got five volumes of Legion. I got Legion sh- superheroes, one shots. I've got individual issues. I've got little side trips. And I've got the Legion era where, you know, half the team is in 1994 and half the team is in the far flung future. So. Yeah. And I a, would say and a that they are. That says I escaped from Metron Galtos, and all I got was a stinking T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I would say they're definitely some of them are worth seeking out. What I might do, and probably the best thing to do, would be to just sample a little bit of Legion out of the back issue bins. You can always go to your local comic store, such as Gatekeeper Hobbies on Tune and Gage Kapika. If you come in on Sunday, Drink. there's going to be there's going to be a fat guy wandering around the store. Uh, his name is Dion. Ask him which, where I am. Which one? Uh, aren't there so many of them wandering around the comic book stores these days? Oh, there's don't, only three. Don't feed them. <laughs> Actually, I am I am the only comic store employee who breaks that 250-pound buffer. <laughs> and one of them is, in fact, a woman. Nice. Yeah, we're awesome now. All we got to do now is figure out how to get people to talk about something other than comics. And I think we're good to go. Nice. But, I mean, you can always go into a back issue bin or, you know, check in somebody's three for a dollar, 50 cent bin. Find a couple of issues and, you know, isolate what kind of Legion stories you might like. You're going to be able to find the books. Yes. I'm almost certain yes. of it. Believe me, like, it is so like easy the, to find. So easy to find hardest, these single issues. The hardest Legion books for me to ever find was the Legion Lost limited series. And I think that one took me like six trips to Kansas City, four exasperated fist fights with the wife, three calling birds, two turtle doves, and a chicken in a banana tree. But mm, honestly, mm, chicken banana. I think the main reason they don't collect those issues is when they do say, you know, the WKRP Volume 1 Legion. Yeah. They're not selling millions of copies of that. No, they're not. Legion fans. To some degree, the old cliche, there's Legion people and there's non-Legion people is true. It's harder to get into Legion than it is, you know, just uh, book A. Let's say you want to read Avengers. What you really need to know about the Avengers, uh, Thor's a god, Iron Man's a punk, uh, Hank Pym punched his wife. There, you're ready to go. And his wife is dead. Now, yeah, <laughs> yeah Legion, still- it's really weird, but uh, honestly, David, I think if you want to go out and, and find these, maybe not Legion Lost, but I think if you just start sampling through the back issue bin, you're going to find yeah. a whole bulk of, of issues that you can buy for like a buck or two. Good, good places to start. If, I would say you can start with the showcase collections, the black and white collections of the old 60s stories. Yes. 
Those are wonderful. Yes. You you can start with Legion Volume 3, which was the Paul Levitz, Keith Giffen run that I also had, I think, Steve Lytle and eventually other artists. But Legion Volume 3 is the one that starts with that cool Keith Giffen cover of the whole team ripping through a wall. Yes. And has the battle with the Legion, uh, the Legion of Supervillains. Or you can go into the 19, I think it was 94 or 96, just the Legion and start there. Any of those would be a great place to jump on board. The Volume 4 Legion has a lot of history and a lot of backstory. So, it, you know, if you've got a little familiarity, that's probably maybe a level 202 Legion course. But the main thing about the Legion is there's so many characters. You can probably find something that you like, even if you're just, you know, going and buying Dave Cockrum issues from 1977 and wondering why Timberwolves ripped off Wolverine. Yes. Mm. Hey, well, since, we're, since we're still talking about Legion here, Matthew, why don't Legion. we get, why don't we get into our reviews? Reviews! Your Welcome turn, to our <laughs> reviews. reviews. Everybody's reviewing comics, but Stephen will interrupt them All right, every fact, other let me, sentence. Uh, let me go here. And something, something. Legion of Superheroes, number 50, wraparound cover. 50. 50. The last Actually, one. If you read it carefully, it's not Legion of Superheroes. It's Ion for Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Issue 50 of the Legion of Superheroes does have one oddity about it that I want to point out immediately. Okay. Jim Shooter has been writing the Legion since uh, the exit of Mark Wade. This issue is written by Justin Time. Hmm. I, I, bet, hmm. I think he's going to Scarborough, Scarborough Fair. Justin. Time actually, he's Irish, so technically he's Justin... The Mick O Time. <laughs> I apologize for that joke. So apparently we are wrapping up this whole entire new Legion of Superheroes line in a single issue. It pretty much is, yeah. We uh, of course we've had the ongoing story with the Alien Destroyers, which by the way, great name for aliens. Um did you smell that? I think that was sarcasm. <laughs> oh, I thought it was me passing gas. Anyway, the alien destroyers have been attacking planet Earth and the United Planets for a while, and it's recently been discovered that, and I hate this phrase, they're virtual beings. They don't exist. Oh, they're yeah, actually yeah. computerized beings who have three-dimensional avatars that they use to interact with the Legion. So the Legion of Superheroes, including their new member, Gazelle... And it occurred to me that Gazelle is essentially a female timber wolf. Hmm. Eerie, when you think about it. And I want to see her just being chased across the veldt by timber wolf so that he can catch her and rip her throat out. And Never mind. <laughs> well, uh, you know, this means you're going to have to do a hero history of her. Do we have our adult tag yet? Because I have, I have something <laughs> that I need to tell Stephen. Anyway, moving on with the rest of the issue. All right, the rest of the issue moves at a breakneck pace. The team says, oh, wait, there's a Legion. And then it's like, oh, wait, we should fight them. So we see, you know, five or six Legionnaires up close. We see Brainiac and Saturn Girl and Ultra Boy and Gazelle. And they fight and they fight and they fight. And there's little moments where you see other Legionnaires fighty-fighty. You even see Wildfire doing the fighty-fighty, even though he never officially joined this team. And... The Legionnaires download themselves into a computer to face their enemies. Now, what's hysterical to me is Invisible Kid has long had a crush on Gazelle. So he makes Brainiac cheat and turn his computer avatar into this giant muscular dude. 
<laughs> which cracks me up. Basically, he's the equivalent of, you know, an internet lesbian. But uh, <laughs> their bodies are held in stasis while their minds are trapped in the other universe. So parts of the team fight, 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 while other parts of the team think, 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 think. And you <laughs> had to be there. That was a South Park reference. It was very, very, very high up there. Anyway, they fight the alien destroyers and they fight. And we get the history of the alien destroyers in like a page. And then we get, you know, the vengeance of the alien destroyers in another page. And then we see that, oh, wait, Invisible Kid has a plan. Invisible Kid figured this out. In that computerized universe, everybody exists as just a computer. But since his avatar cheated, basically his avatar has been tweaked, Brainiac 5 can use his avatar to access that computer universe with his computer brain and rewrite the whole universe. Ah, so essentially he wipes out the aliens? Right. He, he basically goes in, he wipes out the aliens, and he erases the their three-dimensional giant alien avatars. In so doing, the Legionnaires, who were – their bodies were in stasis – get killed, literally just torn to pieces, bloody mess on the highway. You had to be there. Um, <laughs> I saw that film in and, high school. And he has to re he has to reclone their bodies. And it's it's one of those moments where I'm like, wait, did did he just clone six people at between panels? Well that's what I was wondering because here we see what is her name? Phantom Girl. Yep. She's got a like uh blanket draped over her because apparently she's dead. And then uh, and is then it Phantom well, no, it's no, a dream girl. I'm sorry. It's dream girl. And he uses this to bring the dead dream girl back to life because he and she have been, you know, having their little, their little, uh, tete a tete. Yeah. After dream girl's death, her consciousness apparently has been visiting Brainiac five in his sleep. Some people would a couple call that of psychosis. issues ago. We had that really creepy issue a couple of months ago where they consummated their love by, her taking possession of another woman who Brainiac apparently proceeded to ravage. Um, I, I, I'm not going to go into my whole uh, gender issues thing, but this book is full of them. Just think of the melody. End. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like Ghost, only without Whoopi Goldberg kissing some other woman. I saw Ooh. that one. I was there. <laughs> Sorry. I, no, so this is I, okay. So it, it ends with a big kind of, uh, I don't know. Kind of a buong, really. Um, Brainiac Five and Dream Girl announce their wedding, and oh, by the way, the book is over. But can you it's no like, longer? Can you no longer in this version? Can you no longer be a member of the Legion once you get married? Apparently not. Hmm. I'm not sure. It's never really touched on, and this issue ends with what Eddie Izzard would call a sense of, oh, <laughs> and life goes it, on. It just kind of stops. Well, it really doesn't because these characters are more than likely not the Legion about whom we're going to be reading in the near future. Right. Um, other Legion events this week, not mentioning any names, called Legion of Three Worlds number three out of five. I was going to mention uh, review, review should be coming before Saturday. It kind of touches on a couple of things. 20 and 20 to there's a there's a vague feeling that I have as to where this is all going in Legion terms. Okay. That make me wonder if this latest iteration of the Legion isn't going to turn out to be nothing more than a dream, a hoax, an imaginary story, or maybe kind of an echo of future past. But in any case, it's not a bad ending. It's very anticlimactic. Yeah. It's it's well handled. It's got some nice moments, but I mean 
I can't see giving it any more than two slices of meatloaf just based on the factor of it's kind of a lame duck comic, and it has been for several months. It's Well, so we might as well was, put these out. Because people knew how it they was ending, trouble. right? Did you ever get that sense that, hey, we know it's ending, so why bother? Well, not so much why bother. More of a we're building to these plots and we're building to points that could go. And, you know, the writer has said we're designed to go another six, eight, ten issues. And then we're going to get to the end and we're going to go, boong, uh, turns out they're done. Yeah. And, you know, the solicitation for this issue promised a lot of things that didn't happen, including, you know, Jim well, Shooter writing it. Shooter writing the book. <laughs> yeah. But also the death of a legionnaire and major characters changed in ultimate ways. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, things that mean something. And this this book just kind of happened. And as an end to this era of the Legion. Now, granted, a lot of legionnaires have had worse endings. But as an ending to this Legion era, it's just kind of a, yep, that sure did happen. I wonder what we're going to do back in the core reality over here pre-crisis. Let me ask you a question about this. 53. Is it – did I read this right? And I haven't read the whole issue, but I'm, I was skimming through it earlier. Did I read this right where Brainiac clones the dead superheroes, the dead yeah. Legions, and right. he puts their memories back into their head based on his memories? They were digitized. Okay, all right. Their minds were, in fact, digitized. So their actual realities did exist. Okay. But, yeah, I, I kind of thought that was odd, too. Because it's just kind of getting lost over. Because then it could just kind of lead to an interesting, well, these aren't the original Legion characters. These are Brainiac's interpretation of these characters. And, so and that always brings up the them question. Into of other things. Ooh, uh, uh. What if what what if there are things that happened that Brainiac didn't know about? Exactly, That's like that time. Uh, you know. Fortunately, the series is ending, and if you've read Final Crisis number three, Bart Allen is back. Spoilers! Hey, you jackass! You can, you can read more about it. You can read more about it this week up on Major Spoilers. Read more about it. Uh yeah, it it is what it is. It's over. Uh, I don't know where the Legion goes from here, but I'm sure we'll find out in about five minutes. I think Monel's going to Action Comics. Yeah, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. All right, everybody. Uh, we're going to take a little departure from our regular comic-y book reviews that we've done. Departure from the comic book reviews. This week, Rodrigo and I are both taking a look at cartoon series. The first one being Wolverine and the X-Men animated series, which is just out a few weeks ago on U.S. television, although our tasty Canadian friends to the north have had this for some time. Did you say tasty Canadian friends? Yes. You Why have gonna, you been tasting gonna, our Canadian they're gonna, friends? They're going to figure out that Steven's an alien. <laughs> that's Does right. Does he work for Hulu? Because we're aliens. And that's how we roll. He and Alec Baldwin are going to eat my brain, aren't they? <laughs> Only if you're lucky. All right, so Rodrigo, tell me about the Wolverine and the X-Men animated series. All like, right. dislike, what's going on? Wolverine and the X-Men. I was concerned about this show. I mean, uh, you know, you tell me there's a new X-Men cartoon coming out and and I get really excited. But it really looked like it was going to be X-Men Evolution Part 2. And I was never into X-Men Evolution. Mm -hmm. Um, Which one are these guys? Um, the the guys that you have up there are yeah. mostly from Evolution. I like I that. I like that cartoon style. The the style is cool, but I never liked the whole like that. Y- like the X Men being that young. Oh, okay. Um, 
the X-Men weren't that young since, like, the original X-Men. Mm-hmm. And since then, you know, the X-Men have basically been in their 20s. Yeah. Um, but this story doesn't take place at the beginning of the X-Men universe. It does not. It, in fact, starts up at the end, basically at the end of X-Men Evolution. Um, and there's this big cataclysm that happens to the X-Men. You know, the Registration Act goes berserk. Sentinels start showing up. And the X-Men scatter to the four winds. So, um, Wolverine, you know, you kind of get a lot of this through flashbacks. Wolverine gets um, involved in a train wreck, like an actual train wreck. Oh, I was going to say, not the not, uh, not, 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 not the just show a itself. metaphor for right, the cartoon. Right, not, not just a metaphor for every comic book that he's in, that he's been in for the last five years or so. Um, and he goes in and he saves the family, and the family in turn helps him out. And the family gets in trouble for it. I mean, like the... Oh, harboring a fugitive. Right. The the, the mutant Gestapo shows up and basically takes the family. And Wolverine is like, well, crap. Now I got to go help them. So he starts trying to recruit back the X-Men who have all scattered, scattered. They're all doing their own thing. They've all lost faith in the dream since Charles Xavier disappeared in the big explosion. Yeah. Um. Anyway... <laughs> I don't know. Matthew's just making weird noises. Um, so the um, uh, Wolverine's trying to get the X Men back. Cyclops is a wreck because Gene disappeared in the explosion too. Oh, okay. um, so he's not gonna lead the X Men. The X Men don't. The rest of the X Men don't want to come back because they're all doing their own thing. This was a surprisingly like character driven show. You basically like. Any given X-Men shows up over the period of these two episodes that I saw. Right. They fight together with Wolverine against, like, the Brotherhood and the Sentinels and stuff like that. But they, they're they not together. Like, they end up leaving because yeah. for one reason or another. It, it It's actually this, this series goes the way that I, a lot of the times, hope comic books would do. Instead of saying, this is the team now, and the team is, you know, stays together. It's like, you know, the X-Men, you know. Any superhero team is made of people. Right. People have their own reasons for coming and going. Right. Um, <laughs> superhero team is made of people. <laughs> it's people. <laughs> so, you know, at the end of this uh, two-episode arc, and there's is actually a three-episode arc, um, but I only saw the first two, uh, it's, there's a big reveal. There's there's some betrayal. One of the X-Men kind of turns on the X-Men. Uh-oh. I bet it's the, Rogue. The, uh, it is. Spoilers! See? I haven't even seen it. Yeah. I knew it was her. her name She's is a bad Rogue. penny. She yeah. keeps showing back up. She she is. Her, her very name is a word that means turncoat <laughs> or badness, you know? The, there is a great, great moment in it in which, you know, the Brotherhood of Mutants, Sans Magneto, are a bunch of morons. It's basically, you know, Toad... The Blob, Avalanche, and Quicksilver, mm-hmm. and now Domino, which is weird. Um, but they actually managed to frame the X Men over over this period of time, and you know it's it's a cool turn. Honestly, it has a lot of the things that I liked out of the cartoon in the nineties. Yeah, um, you know that kind of sense of urgency that is about the only thing that that cartoon managed to pull <laughs> off. Um, it has cool fights. Um, you see every X-Men ever in the previews. I mean, eventually every character that's ever been on the X-Men is going to, you know, set foot in the team. Oh, cool. Really? Every X-Men? Hey, 
you just watch, man. I'm. I think even the, I'm, I'm the pretty... greatest X Man of all time, the Beak. No. Archangel. Maggot. Mag- Maggot. No. Cecilia Reyes. Come on. Have we? Have we met? Marrow. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna pick you up and kill Schleicher with you, so you both die, and there's no murder weapon. Joseph. Is it Joseph? Jericho. How'd you like me to stick this pen right in your <laughs> neck? No. All right. The only. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. Tell us. No, I'm done. <laughs> I got involved in an X-Men conversation and it ended badly and complex, which is a metaphor for every X-Men book I've ever read. I'm, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to be over here. The guy that throws the drop, cards. I'm going <laughs> to drop more crap on my foot. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Shut up. The, um, I would give uh, Wolverine and the X-Men approximately, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with four slices of meatloaf. I mean, I am I am very interested. Where can we see Wolverine and the X-Men? Approximately four, roughly 3.976. Pretty much. Um, I didn't want to get into the details, but yeah, that's roughly how much I'm giving it. You can, you can round up to four slices of meatloaf. Wolverine and the X-Men is um, regularly... Fridays at 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Wolverine and the X-Men airs at some point. Yeah, on the new series builds on Marvel's rich storylines from the comic book pages and big screen and will air regularly Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Nicktoons Network. And I would Nick like to Toons. thank the Nicktoons people for sending us the advanced screeners. Yeah, good times. For those two episodes. So, send us uh, screeners. I hardly yeah. know her. Send us more stuff. I, on the other hand, am not reading something or reviewing something that I've seen uh, that's new, but rather something that's been out for what now? Seems like 10 episodes now. Mm-hmm. Something old, something new, something Blue Beetle. And what Brave and the Bold. Uh, Batman Brave and the Bold. You know, when this when I first heard about this series, I was like, oh my God, this show is going to suck big time. Just like I thought that the uh, that Spider-Man cartoon that's on was mm-hmm. going to suck big Why? time. Why would you think that a Batman series okay, based on all, the 60s Batman with a voice of Jethro? Well, would, why that, would that is that exactly the reason. Dietrich ba- Batter or Bader or whatever Bader. his name is. Bader. All I can I think heard... of is Drew Carey, dummy character number two. <laughs> every time I hear his voice or, uh, or, but... or the guy that's like, hey, man. Hey, Peter, check out check <laughs> yeah. on Channel 9. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was also the guy in Office Space who was like, I think if yeah. anybody yeah, said they we had a case saying, yeah. Mondays, I'd kick his ass. Yeah, and all I can keep thinking of that, and of course, I can hear you. when you first see it and you're thinking, okay, it's Brave and the Bold, it's the 60s Batman, and it kind of takes that cheesy 60s art style, you're going to think that this is nothing but ultimate fail. But you know what? Sit down and watch one episode, sit down and watch two episodes, and by then you're hooked. Yeah, here's I how think they canceled Ultimate Fail, didn't they? Here's how. Yeah, it's going to be coming back. <laughs> no, that's, your, that's the last that's secret the one. one. Yeah, Ultimate Comics Fail Number One. Uh, but my goodness, here's how every Featuring episode Maggot. of Bat- Bat- Batman: The Brave and the Bold works out. Of course, it's a team up series, mm-hmm. so with Batman and the central character. But we get a a little vignette story, and this is really cool because it's a complete story. Batman teaming up with someone. So, for example, one of the most recent ones, which I really dug was Batman, and it was a Blue Beetle story. Mm-hmm. And so in the vignette at the beginning, before the opening credits, it's got Batman and Ted Cord Blue Beetle going through and blowing up stuff as they're trying to get to wherever they're going, and they're commenting <laughs> back and forth on is the technology that they're using. Yeah, I think it's White Castle. Exactly, that's what it is. They're after a couple of sliders. Uh, 
but they're commenting back and forth on their technology, and it's just simply brilliant. Then we go to the opening credits, and then when we come back, we flash forward to the future, and it's the current Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes, and Batman teaming up to have uh, uh, an adventure together in space, and it's all about the current Blue Beetle trying to live up to the legacy of the past and Batman trying to tell him, you know, you're going to make your own decisions and become your own hero whether you realize it or not. So there's some a really good message in these. Mm-hmm. The most recent one was last week and it featured uh, Batman joining up with Guy Garner, uh, Nort, the Snort. Sinestro before he became uh, Sinestro. The yellow, yeah, before he became the villain. And I think it was just those three and Batman who gets some green power boost. It does feature Hal Jordan and the rest of the Legion, but they get sucked in. They're fighting Despero. Mm-hmm. They're, oh, it has, uh, um, now I forgot, what's the planet's name, Matthew? Oa? No, Mojo Jojo. Uh, what's the planet? Mogo. Mogo. Oh, yeah. Mogo. It features Mogo, Despero. Uh, I think it's Despero. Well, isn't it, it depends. They they say Despero in the in the TV series. Yeah, I think Despero well, is a stupid. mouse. Yeah, and which I thought was rather silly as well. But it does have your favorite version of Despero, the one with sideways the, fin. The sideways fin, Despero. Mm. Sideways fin and the third eye who looks like he's wearing it a little orange written, dress. The, that ep- that particular episode was written by uh, J.M. Day Mateus, uh, and. Dude, I don't even know where you're coming up with these pronunciations, but it's hysterical. Isn't it, De Mateus? Despero. I was reading this Abeta May in the comic book. On so the anyway, television. what's great yeah. about that particular issue? Batman is, brave and bold. What is, us, what is the best? What is the best? Stephine. What is the best Guy Garner Batman event ever in the history of comics? One punch. They worked that gag into the episode. Nice. Seriously? Yes, and it was perfect. It was perfectly done. Now, if you can get past Dietrich Bader's uh, voice, and he actually does a very good Batman. Yeah, and, He's and got a great gravelly voice for Batman. Honestly, the, the hardest part is if you're coming in knowing that it's him. I didn't know the first time I saw an episode of Batman Brave and the Bull, and it didn't take me out of it. Right. It's, it's after people started telling me, and I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It takes me out at every time. Cleveland rocks. And again, I say Despero because that's what they said in the in the TV series. Uh, but <laughs> I have really fallen in love with this show, even though I'm like, what is it, 10 episodes in to the season. Really? Already? It's got to be something like that. Or maybe it just seems wow. like that. Well, uh, it's like there's a mini episode in front of every episode. Yeah, and so it does feel like maybe it's double the pleasure yeah. that you get from that. Uh, but I'm saying that it's not Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. It's not Justice League, although it is a very good fill-in for the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not certainly not Superman the Animated Series because it's hey, got Batman in it. Uh, but it is still a very good <laughs> series for kids these days. Yeah. <laughs> and so I am also giving this four slices of meatloaf. Can I just ask what you know about kids these days? I've got one, you see, and he <laughs> runs around. Aren't you... Kids these days you like, like to 40? slobber and chew on things and throw their milk cups around. That's what I know about so kids these days. But what you're basically telling me is your son days. could work for me at the office. <laughs> <laughs> kids these days, though, will sit down and watch Batman the Brave and the Bold. Mm-hmm. And that kid will sit there for 30 minutes or with the TiVo, I can fast forward it, and we will get done in 20 minutes or 15 minutes, and he'll sit through that entire thing, and he loves every moment. He has this goofy smile on his face. Whenever Batman's doing stuff. Yeah. Can I just say that I love the, the characterization of Aquaman? Yes. In it. 
It's oh my like goodness. it's the best Aquaman that I've seen in a long time. Not to be confused with Aqualung, but oh my goodness, Aquaman has this big head. <laughs> he's almost I wouldn't characterize him exactly like the Tick. Yeah. But he's this somebody that thinks he's this high and mighty great hero mm-hmm. and how every adventure we shall call this adventure the adventure beneath the sea with Batman. <laughs> and it will be great. And he's like just going off on on uh just uh, it's so weird. I'm trying to find out who plays him. Aquaman, John DiMaggio. DiMaggio, yeah. Isn't that the man who did the voice of Bender? Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Nice. And he also cool. does the voice of Gorilla Grodd in the series too, but mm-hmm. oh, he is it's just hysterical how he portrays this character. Go up onto the majorspoilers.com website. We do have some like clips. We try to get them every week of yeah. the upcoming episode. The stuff with him and the Atom is pretty funny. It is it is funny. It is so good. Matthew, have you watched this Batman the Brave and the Bold series with your daughter yet? Uh, I haven't. I'm probably going to start uh, using my digital video recorder of no particular uh, brand name or, or product name. You really need to do it. I think you both would enjoy this very much because especially with what your daughter knows about hero history yeah. uh, and not just Legion history, but probably what she knows about old school characters, I think she'd get a kick out of this. Molly still thinks that Batman should say, I am the Batman! <laughs> because <laughs> Batman should talk like Hervé Villachez, as far as I'm concerned. Can, can we get a recorder, a, a recording of her saying, I am darkness, I am the night, I am Batman? <laughs> that would be awesome. And also get, oh, her, sure. get her doing the uh, Green Lantern uh, oath. Nice. We need to start recording the podcast before bedtime. Right. Yeah, just record it outside. Just record it on your little system there and send it our way. I'm a legionnaire! Legionnaire! So, Batman the Brave and the Bold, highly recommended animated series if you're not already watching it, and I'm sure most of you out there are. So, Matthew. What? Oh, I want to give a shout-out, too. Uh, shout-out! Last week or Bad a week and a half ago. props to our peeps, yo. Last week or a week and a half ago, I said, you know what? You know how... People can get their comics reviewed on major spoilers. Send us stuff. Stuff. And so we've got a lot of things this week uh, that we're going to try to get to. A lot of stuff. Including one that was sent via email. Obviously, we're getting stuff from Boom Studios in advance. I forgot the one that was sent to us in the email, but all of us have at least looked at the email and uh, and are going to get to it at some point. Captain yes. G- something? Yeah, ca- uh, what is it called? It's called uh, Charlatan Preludes, which is from Jill and Jen, or Gil and Jen Lawson. Okay? Cool. We're going to check that out. Uh, Dark Horse sent us a crap load of stuff. A couple of trades that Rodrigo is going to take a look at and see if they're things that we should review on the show. Uh, he's got the Scream, Grendel, Devil's uh, Reign, uh, the Mask, Omnibus 2. Um, they also, I didn't realize that Dark Horse had a book imprint, a traditional book imprint. Yeah, because didn't they do like the Hellboy Companion and like Odd yeah. Jobs and well, stuff Well, I just like thought that? that was just a little throw off. Uh-huh. But here is, uh, here's this uh, book that we got, Lank, Lankhammer. Lankhammer. That's what it looks like. Lank, Lankmar. Yeah, Lankmar. Matthew, do you remember when we were talking on one of the shows a few, I don't know, several issues ago, when I was reviewing Fables and I was wondering to know who the Mauser and Farford are? Farford and the Grey Mauser, yes. Yeah. Well, guess what? This book is about the adventures of Farford and the Grey Mauser. Yay! And it is the seventh book in a series. Yay! And so uh, 
Rodrigo is also going to take a look at this for us. Yay! Rodrigo's going to read 334 pages by tomorrow. <laughs> oh, and write us a book Rod- report. The reason why I'm not Rodrigo in college can- anymore <laughs> is so I don't have to do crap like this. They also sent us uh, Magic Man Archives. I think this is volume one, the Magic Man Archives. Try to understand. Seriously? Yes. Oh, I want that. Well, I may get this one to you, but I think the one that you're probably more interested in is Nexus Volume 8. No, I want Magic Man. All right. <laughs> Nexus is good. I have a complete run of Nexus. I cannot find the Magic Man in Nemesis comics. I was flipping through the Magic Man, and you may not want this one if you want to keep it for good because the sun was flipping through the pages and some of them are now wrinkled. But I'm Meh. flipping through this Magic Man series from the, what is it, the Golden Age. Uh, uh, well, that's actually, Silver I Age, believe, Silver Age, yeah, yeah, 65. 65. Man, some of these stories look pretty far out and actually kind of cool, so I'm actually looking forward to digging into this as well. I yep. uh, also want to send a shout-out to uh, Dynamite Entertainment, who sent us Jungle Girl Season 2, which comes out uh, this week. Uh, they also sent Masquerade Number 1, which is already reviewed up on the site, which mm-hmm. comes out this week. And the other one that they sent... Which I've misplaced it at the moment. Oh no, they sent us three issues. I forget the other one, but I want to thank them for sending those as well. So, again, the only way that you're going to get your stuff reviewed on the website is by sending it to us. Yes. Unless we yeah. buy it. But I mean, you know, Matthew and, I, poor. Matthew and I have a limited budget, and we're really only buying things that we read. And it kind of sticks. And reading things that we buy, which is kind of bizarre. And when you think about it. Yeah. And so. It kind of hurts that we want to cover other comic companies and other publishers, but we don't uh, have the money to just spend everything freely. So if you're like right. Boom and you want to send us uh, the stuff or Dark Horse or Dynamite Entertainment or the uh, General Jinjar LLC, then by all means, contact us, podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And if you're just looking to get something out to where, you know, maybe we might not see it at our friendly local comic shop. Uh, exactly. It's always a good way, you know. I yeah. guarantee yes. you I never would have read Atomic Robo had Red 5 Comics not started sending it our way. Yep. So there you go. And partly because of the reviews, it's actually being stocked at Gatekeeper now. Well, see, there you go. And I know a lot of people are listening to our comments and and, uh, reading our comments and making their purchasing decisions based on that. There you go. So you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, lentils, man. Well, I'll see you guys in 20 minutes. See. I think we got the giggleness out there. The reviews are over, and now that means it's time for the major spoilers all of the week. Week, week, week. Major spoilers all of the week. Week. What do we got this week? Without without any frippery tomfoolery. Foo for fa or other words which I've just made up. The poll of the week is going to ask a serious question, and I'm serious too. Damn it. Based <laughs> yeah, on the state of by that. That's right. That's what my daughter once told me when she was two. She's like, Daddy, when I'm a big girl, I will say, damn it. <laughs> that's how you know you're a grown up kids. Exactly. You can say, well, she also had two little toys, a little Superman and a Batman, and they were fighting. She's like, I bite you. Well, I Superman you. <laughs> well, I bite you again. Damn it. <laughs> and then she got That's sent how- to timeout. <laughs> yes, yeah, she actually did. And I was trying not to giggle the whole time because 
that the fact that she understood that Batman's power comes from the word "damn it" <laughs> predates literally. It predates Frank Miller's work on All Star Batman. Nice, like nice. Yeah. So my child, man, she is the the epitome. She is the target audience for All Star <laughs> Batman. Four year old girls. <laughs> Never mind. This week, we're actually getting away from our who'd win in a fist fight between uh, Jacques Cousteau and Jean Cocteau. Oh, that's a good um, one. Yeah, you should have put in that one. See, you got to write this shit down. <laughs> and there's our adult tag. I've been waiting for it. Ladies and gentlemen, it was Matthew's fault this week. Those of you who had that in the poll, go ahead and send your <laughs> entries to uh, spoilers.com. What was it we were talking about? Uh, poll of the week. All right. Comic book convention of the week. This week, we're asking five minutes to get to the question. Yeah, and the best part was I was I was going to be serious this week, and then you got me off on a tangent by saying, "Damn it!" (laughs) (laughs) So back to the seriousness. So Matthew, back to the uh, seriousness of our poll of the week. I was wondering if this would be a scientific poll or a non-scientific poll this week that we could calculate some tabular data and put it into a spreadsheet or a perhaps a uh, a pie chart. I need you to stop doing the Jay Gillette impersonation right now because I will get up out of this chair. And if there are any listeners at Ball State University, please let us know if you've got Jay as an instructor. We miss him. Every other day, the scope is a little bit misaligned. So (laughs) this week we're discussing not who'd win in a fist fight, but can you stand, you know, 50,000 stinky comics fans in one room? Um, Will you, and this is the regal you, Will you, as the faithful spoilerites, at being attending any comic conventions this year? Of course, we do have three answers. Yes, no, and seven. No, wait. Maybe. Yes, no, and maybe. And I put maybe as really more like depends on the economy. Right, and I, I agree. I think especially in, in these economic trying times, it's good to have that. Um, I, of course, went with maybe. You did, okay. Because, I mean, I'd like to go to more con- conventions, but, you know, based partially upon my location and partially on the fact that I'm a poorly paid, ineffectual middle management suck up, <laughs> I don't necessarily, I can't always put, you know, time and money together in the same room. Yeah. So depending on the economy for maybe, I would say, yeah, I'd like to. I would definitely consider it. Okay. Rodrigo? Well, I don't think I've ever been to a comic book convention. And I wasn't planning on it, so I was like, nah, I don't think I will. You know, I actually voted on the poll, and then I was told that maybe I am actually going to end up at a comic book convention. So, yeah. I voted yes, because no matter what, I will always try to make the Planet Comic Con convention in Kansas City, this time taking place March 28th and 29th. And you know what? We were talking about this earlier in the show. You may see a major spoiler presence at that convention. Maybe. Well, or maybe I should ask this. Listeners, do you want to see a major spoilers presence at... The uh, Planet Comic Con, March 28th and 29th? Yes, yes Steve, we would like it to see that. For right. we are the major spoilers of readers, gonna, and this I'm, is how we talk. I'm going to make a, a few phone calls. Uh, Morpheus says there's only one convention that I would go to, and that's Planet Comic Con. I haven't really decided if I'm going yet or not. Maybe this will change his mind to uh, not go. Uh, <laughs> John over at DoubleDumbassOnYou.com says, I'll definitely be heading to Wizard World Philly again this year, and more than likely will be attending Baltimore as well. I get discount, discount tickets through my LCS, 
And even if I don't spend gobs of money, it's still a good time. Uh, Life's a Glitch says not a lot of conventions here in Scandinavia. Winter Mute says Eastern Canada is probably about as convention bare as Scandinavia, so he's not going to go. Uh, let's see. Ed says... Isn't Scandinavia that part of Worlds of Fun that's... Yeah, that's the right. best part with the water fluge. Yeah, I love that. I'm attending the local convention here in Charleston, South Carolina. Big up to the cap- Captain's Comics. Uh, Dustin says he's going to go to Heroes Con. And Josh P. says I'll be going to a handful of local New England shows. <laughs> Josh. Look, have you heard my, <laughs> yeah, my new band, the local New England shows? <laughs> Uh, Hermit sadly says, wish I could, but there are none close by. Aww. Oh, you know what would be an even better band name? What's that? Scandinavian Comic-Con. There you go. Nice. Hello, Cleveland. Un- we are Scandinavian Comic-Con. You know, a lot of our commenters say that they're going to go to cons. The polls say something quite different. Indeed. If you actually look at the results on Majorspoilers.com, located at www.majorspoilers.com, what you'll find is that my browser is <laughs> is not working. Neither is Matthew's audio, apparently. At, well, there he goes again. See, every time he hits that refresh, yeah, we lose him. What? Da, 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 da. Oh, there he is, Matthew. So you were so, saying. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have my. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about me. <laughs> right now. On Majorspoilers.com, 100... (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, let's let's help Matthew out here. Up on the Majorspoilers.com website, there is a little poll with kittens. A poll with kittens is always good. And so far, we have 100... You are are back. Start to say something of importance, and I bet you'll be cut off again. (laughs) 168 votes I'm, later. I'm here in the hurricane, Diane. I've lashed myself to a pole. 168 so votes later. Sad Kitty is taking the lead. Aww. 44% of Sad Kitty people say they will not be attending the convention this year. Aww. 20% say Pensive Kitty depends on the economy. Hmm. I think Pensive Kitty would be a great name for a porn star. <laughs> you know what? There probably already is one. Uh, so everybody, I've heard new band, Pensive Kitty. <laughs> so everybody, head over to the Majorspoilers.com website. Cast your vote this week. Polls change weekly. And there may be a point coming up where polls change daily. So you'll want to check out the site at least once a day, if not more. Uh, one of the things that we like to do in the show is all of us discuss a oh, certain topic. Oh, curse you, Mr. Steven Spidling! Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Drink. That's my kryptonite. Uh, so someone asked, when I announced that we were going to review Sinfest on the show, someone asked if we're going to be making webcomic reviews a regular part of the show. And, you know, honestly, I think webcomics are just as legitimate as regular comics. Oh, definitely. The only difference is the medium. Now, I, I was agree. kind of upset a week or so ago when Neil Schwab said, quote... I know there are plenty of webcomic artists who are able to substi- uh, subsist on the income they make from their websites, but they aren't making money from their comics. They're making money from merchandise. Not to belittle web-only comic artists, but when their income is derived from t-shirts, it makes them salesmen first and artists second. Ooh. And I'm sorry, Neil Schwab, but I just can't uh, agree with that because there are some hardworking people out there 
Well, I think somebody conked him on the head and he retracted it. He did. He? he came back later and said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> just an idiot. And he erased his quote, but not before everyone in the universe saw it. Yeah. And I mean everyone in the universe, Matthew. Even Lure from Omicron Percy I-8? Exactly. And his cousin from uh, Percy I-9. Nice. So this week, we are going to review a webcomic. you got to be careful about the exploding squirrels on Omicron Percy I-9. Yes. Those are the worst kind. <laughs> they go tick, 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 tick. Right all over your windshield. <laughs> this week, we are taking a look at Sinfest. This is a Matthew. This is a Matthew suggestion. Uh, although yeah. I have been reading Sinfest for years. My name's Steven, and I got there first. Um, no, no, I'm just saying that it's not a new. Sometimes when we pick up these trades or or subject matter that we're going to go into depth on, sometimes it's a new one for two out of the three people on the show. I would agree, and I think one of the <laughs> that was close. I came close, but I didn't say Kilopazix. Ah, crab cakes. <laughs> Drink. It's important to note that the latest previews does, in fact, have a solicitation for Sinfest Volume 1. So this is still our trade paperback review, and you can yes. still purchase the trade paperback. But Yes, you can actually go I, to Amazon.com and purchase the first two volumes of Sinfest. I think I've been reading Sinfest off and on for like five years, and I'll tell you the, the first and the most important thing to remember about Sinfest, it's .net. Yes. Because if you put Sinfest.org, it's a whole new ballgame. That's all I'm from saying. from the title, you might think Sinfest is full of sinful things, and it's really not. I mean, this is not a uh, comic that features nudity or sex or foul language. It might damn it. feature, yeah, damn it. It might feature sexual innuendos. It might feature scantily In your clad. Endo. It, it might feature scantily clad uh, devil women. It might mock religion. It might show uh, illegal drug use, but it's done in a kind of a good, clean way, I guess. And it has some. There's an, there's almost an innocent perspective to it. One of the recurring themes is a moment where a dog and a kitty who belong yes. to an artist who bears a strong resemblance, I'm told, to the artist of the strip. Although we've never seen the his dog, face. Right. The doggy and the kitty have their moment, their momentary interactions. And it's just this, you know, this it's kind of a, a very cute, almost kid-friendly look at, you know, the whole cat versus dog stereotype. And then it takes it and throws it in another dimension. But even the introduction of... Monique, the main female character, where, you know, she's kind of, or at the moments where she's sort of tramping it up, or there's one that I remember where she's talking about, they're talking about, show them your ass, honey, and she turns around and she's like, what? And it, it's done so, and I, I don't want to use the word innocent, but it's it's such a specific perspective that even when it's naughty, you don't look at it as being tawdry or sleazy. No. And I really like that. Yes, and that's what I like about it, too. There's just enough of a tease in a lot of these uh, bits to where you're like, hmm, let me pay a little bit more attention to this. And then you go, oh, okay, I see what he's doing. And for the most part, when you read Sinfest, we'll get into some of the characters and maybe some of the specific stories a little bit later. But for the most part, these are not series. This is not one big long tale. You know, not like it's, Wapsie Square or anything like that where you have to read from the beginning to understand what's going on. These are, right. you jump in and if you only want to read this week's cartoon and that's it, then that's all you have to, to read. Or this day's, very, very seldom do they go into an arc that lasts more than six strips. 
Mm-hmm. It's kind of an ensemble cast. It's um. Yeah, we've got uh, the lead. Just some. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the no, lead. You. The lead character is Slick, who is, you know, it's really funny. He's kind of a cross between Calvin and Hobbes and Bill the Cat, uh, where he's this, uh, I guess, a grown-up guy in a little guy's body, but he really sees himself as. As his name implies, this slick hipster dude who's a womanizer, who can get with any lady that he wants, uh, who's willing to make a deal with the devil, and things just never go right for him. He, his, his, uh, his, he's got eyes for Monique, of all people, and she's, you know, she's really hot for a cartoon character. <sighs> Monique! And, you know, she's just uh, pimping and styling and getting what she I wants love. as girls often get what they want. You've mentioned, I love Monique. You've mentioned dog and cat. There's also mm-hmm. a couple other uh, characters. We've got Criminy, who's this little, right. uh, I guess the best way you could describe him is someone who's homeschooled and then just thrust out into the world for the first time. And then you've got somebody who's the total opposite of that, Squiggly, who's actually a talking pig, mm-hmm. who's all into, if you were to take a man and you call him a pig, that's what Squiggly is. He's mm-hmm. overeats, he dr- he dopes it up, he drinks it up, he's into porn, he's into all, all everything. Mm-hmm. Then you've got some of my favorite characters, God and the Devil. <laughs> and God is too awesome. And Seymour and Little Evil. And the dra- and Buddha and Jesus. Yeah. And the dragon, which represents, I mean, the whole, I, you know, it, it just keeps going on and on with some of these secondary characters. But I yeah. think I get the biggest crack out of the religious strips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that God appears as a hand peeking behind a cloud, usually with a puppet. Yes. And I love the fact that the, you know, God is this little hand puppet. He'll be mocking the devil or he'll be mocking Stiffy. There's one where he has a little slick hand puppet. And he's like, look at me. I'm going to sell my soul. The, the way that God is done is so it's, – it, to me, it's not even – it's, it's not like a sacrilege situation. It's – where God looks at the situation, and if you're going to put him in that character position, he's like, he's this overarching father figure, what you would expect a God character to be. Yes. Do you- but he also has a tongue-in-cheek way of, he's like, you know, I'm going to let you make your own decisions and your own mistakes. And I'm also going to make fun of you behind <laughs> your back, which is really, to me, what a supreme being should be like. Right. Do you remember... Somebody who'll mock you. Do you remember there was a cartoon show on... Man, it was like 10 or 15 years ago that had George Carlin as God. Was it George Carlin as God or was it Jim Rockford as God? I forget which one. I think the series was called Dave or something like that. Yeah. It was only on for like three or four episodes. But God was this guy that just was kind of like God that we see here in Sinfest. This guy that was just, you know, laid back, doesn't take himself too seriously, doesn't take everything too seriously. And he's willing to mock it, but at the same time, he's he's really cool. Yeah. I remember it. I can't remember if it was George or not. And if I attempt to look it up, it's going to screw up my audio for another 45 seconds. And what do you think of the character, the devil? The devil is essentially, you know, big corporate greed guy. Rodrigo. Uh, The devil, the devil's pretty great. He, um, you know, one of the first characters you see is the devil. Like, uh, if you, if you start up from the very beginning, the very beginning, and uh, he just has a booth like Peppermint was uh, Peppermint, Lucy. Lucy Lucy from Peanuts. Um, yeah. It's like sell your soul for you know. It's like whatever you want, you know. The devil is in. Yep, yep. exactly. 
And of course, he's got the devil girls, which are there to tempt Slick every step of the way, mm-hmm. always teasing, never pleasing. And, uh, I, you know, I got to say one thing about uh, Tetsuo's. Uh, Tetsuo! Art. Tetsuya. Tetsuya, I'm sorry. I, I love his art. It's such it's a mm-hmm. simplistic style, yet it has changed. I'm looking at the first strips right now and comparing it to more recent stuff, and there's a definite change in his art style. Oh, which, sure. You know, is it just works, I mean, as an evolution. I think what, what really makes the art is is the character design itself. Yeah. I mean, just in a handful of strokes, he can very easily make a character that you can say, okay, this not only is this a girl... Which, you know, it's hard enough to do. It's hard, it, sometimes it's hard enough to just say, to separate gender between, you know, lines on a paper. Right. With this tiny amount. But not only is this a girl, this is a, you know, slutty girl. Or this is a, you know. Fill in the blank girl. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot girl, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, following the devil around is a little kid who thinks the devil is so cool that he wants to be just like him. And his arch nemesis this little uh what's the what's the angel kid's name called Seymour maybe yeah Seymour Seymour who is just the holier than thou bible thumping little christian kid and i love their interactions mm-hmm. but the ones that crack me and- up is as as much as people want to think that the god and devil segments are uh, sacrilegious uh he just goes off on and doesn't make fun but pokes fun at pretty much all religions, mm-hmm. except for Islam. I guess he doesn't want to get uh, killed. You know, there's not been a Muhammad. <laughs> we see Buddha and we see the dragon, but we haven't seen Muhammad appear in the in the strips yet. Uh, but I love how the devil, I, I'm sorry, the dragon, representing Eastern philosophy, is just like this trippy yeah, kind of, it, it really... hey man, what's going on, God? And how the dragon and God have these very kind of deep conversations in a very pithy kind of way mm-hmm. uh, that makes you laugh and makes you also think about, okay, what does religion mean? Matthew? Religion means... <laughs> never having well, to say you're sorry? Yes. <laughs> no, no, I, I think that's love. Love means never having to say you're kneeling on my hair, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> oh, I have a very specific... Anytime we get near. <laughs> See, the minute Matthew starts jackassing around, the audio is fine. <laughs> but the minute he actually tries to say something, that's when everything goes to pot. Religion is like a lift in your shoe. If you need it, it's great. But you don't necessarily need to go around putting lifts in other people's shoes. And I like the perspective here in this book or in this in this series of of stories that it it doesn't take sides. Seymour is just as ridiculous as Little Evil in his own way. Right. And there are points when, you know, even even God when the, the moments when God will say something and another character, usually the Eastern Dragon, will be like, you know, um so it's not something that's there's not a veiled perspective or it's not a this is correct and everything else is mockery. I I like that. I like the general sense of balance yeah to where if you if you believe in one thing you can read this and generally not be offended by it because there's nothing to be offended by well you say that but then again someone's going to take offense that god is is talking to his people with uh, hand puppets 
or the fact well, that and- you've got these slutty girls dressing up in slutty clothing or that you've got, you know, you name it, fill in the blank. There's something here to offend, but I don't think you're right. I don't think it really offends, uh, but somebody's going to take offense to it. I'm sure of it. Even even when the slutty girls are at their sluttiest, they're still slutty in a very, you know, acceptable way. They're not like openly trying to, you know, make you leer. It's something where you're supposed to go, okay, those are those are hot little cartoon chickies, and I can see how Slick's going to be, but it's not pornographically done. It's not something where you're. It's making fun of Slick's own, right. You know, little urges, which is nice, right? Let's uh, let's do some general overall thoughts. I I mean, this is like I said, this has been a favorite of mine for a long time. I love the art. I love the humor. I love the the kind of the message that's being sent out there about really don't take yourself too seriously. And here are all these vices thrown into these specific characters. And I really, really like that. Um, Rodrigo, you're, you're a fan or not a fan. This is the first time that you've been exposed to Sinfest, so to speak. It is. Um, I love the character design. I think that um, I would definitely wear a t-shirt with any of these characters on it. Did you hear that? Um, Merchandise. Yes. Merchandising. It's it's the way webcomics survive. Stop messing with it. Um, as far as the comic itself, I, I got to say I wasn't terribly impressed by the writing. I felt that a lot of the time, the I, I'm very picky about comics and specifically strip comics. You know, I, I felt that a lot of the time it goes for very easy jokes. I feel that a lot of the time there's actually kind of no punchline. Um, and it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it sets up situations through several strips, right. but it doesn't always, you know, deliver the massive punchline that I expect for strips later. Yeah. From a daily strip kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as far as that goes, it's, it's very cool. It, it's a, it's a very cool little strip, but I mean, as far as comedy, I, I gotta say, I wasn't impressed a lot of the time. Do you think Matthew, that this is a strip that's comedy all the time? Absolutely not. I mean, it doesn't go for serious Christy McNichol, a very special. Worst show ever. (laughs) Worst episode ever. Meanwhile. Uh, Well, you're right. I mean, there's I think sometimes there are some messages that are thrown in here. uh, Just to make you reflect and contemplate. it, It also takes the characters on their own reality. It takes them on their own terms. So even though Slick, you know, is kind of a hipster doofus, and there are a lot of unlikable qualities about him, it doesn't necessarily hold him up for ridicule. It says, you know, this is, you know, this is Slick being goofy. And there are moments where Slick gets to be, you know, sweet, where Slick gets to be meaningful, where Slick gets to be the smartest person in the room. So there's a three-dimensionality to the characters. Mm Mm-hmm. That it's sometimes hard to get in a strip. And if you look at Monique, Monique I like to describe as one of the more well-rounded, no pun intended, hmm. uh, comic strip females, especially young comics. Uh, as you might have noticed, we've just had an experienced a little edit point as we try to figure out our Skype. So, Matthew, you were saying, what? I don't forget where the heck we were last left off. What? I was talking about Monique. Okay, so tell us more about Monique. Monique is not your one-note bimbo, and yet she has those bimbo aspects. And she's not the standard teasy bitch, but she has those teasy bitch aspects. When you break it down, Monique has moments where she is a well-rounded, as I said, no pun intended, 
but a well-rounded character, and she has a reality that feels like a real person. Even, I mean, even the minor characters are taken from their own perspective. So if you go in with, you know, say Seymour with his weird stuff that he believes that even God isn't sure about. Yeah. But he takes it from a very real perspective and he means it, you know, it's all well-intentioned. Even the devil is kind of well-intentioned. Mm -hmm. I really like the aspects of the story where these characters interact. It's like a Venn diagram. They're not being forced through a plot. They happen to interface on these particular levels and then they're gone. Which I think probably adds to Rodrigo's problem of you get to that point where the punchline should be there mm -hmm. or you expect that punchline to be there and the characters instead go someplace that's more natural to the character but undermines maybe the joke or undermines some of the plot. Yeah, because I really think that a lot of the time some of these strips are more reflective mm -hmm. kind of strips. Yeah, we get – And we, some of them yeah, we, are the awesome self-referential strips like you had to be there. Yeah. Remember that time with the guy and he did the thing? Oh, I remember and then that other guy? Yeah. We've all had those conversations. There was one of my favorite strips. I have it hanging on the wall at my office. Is uh, Crimini is sitting there reading his books. Just a little book, book nerd. Totally lost of the world. Spaceship lands nearby. Beautiful, hot, sexy Venusian comes strolling out. Holds up a sign that says, uh, Venus needs nerds. And he just looks at the audience breaking the fourth wall and saying, My, they must be having tech support problems or something like that. Nice. And it just is so... Boing, there you go. That's that sums him up in a nutshell. Exactly. And he sometimes it's very funny. That. And sometimes other moments there was one recently where and I forget which character it was, was trying to find out that the world is not so nice. And walks over to Crimini and says, Can I be here with you? And he's like, Yes, let's continue to build my fort of books or something along those lines. And again, there's no real funny punchline there. But it's one of those that, yeah, sometimes the real world is scary to people, mm -hmm. and yet the you know the artist is is conveying that in this in this webcomic. Sometimes you have to hide out from the world. Yes, I like the fact that he can convey sentiment without getting sentimental, because in terms of your what what I look at as the three panel comic strip, the the comic strips of the newspapers historically. It's very hard to do that kind of emotion without slipping into that sappy little, you know, I don't I don't want to invoke Charles Schultz because he did some wonderful stuff. He did some very, very forward thinking tales. But there were times where it was just like, you know, here's Snoopy and here's the joke. And now everybody laughs and has a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's hard to do that kind of good feelings without coming across a schmaltz. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I got to tell you, people, if you haven't been to sinfest.net, you really Net, owe it to yourself. Yeah. Not org. I, I'm going to have to see God's what's up on sake, org. not com. No, there's nothing on com. It's, just, it's a stupid standstill page or holder page. It, so It was a porn joke, Steve. Yeah, well, I'm not sure about the org because you never know what you're going to find on those nonprofit organizations. Uh, but sinfest.net, depending on what he's doing this current week, you might want to give it about two weeks. Let it grow on you for two weeks. My wife, a huge fan of the dog and cat comics, mm -hmm. doesn't like Slick and Monique so much. Likes the Buddha references. Uh, but uh, the dog and cat are hers. I like every bit of it. Rodrigo, final thoughts? I like the devil. Okay. Matthew? 
it's very difficult for me to explain my deep spiritual love for Monique without sounding pervy. <laughs> so I'm just going to say this. Were she a real woman, I would put her in my basement. <laughs> and make her rub the lotion and, on the skin. And, and make her live there. Oh, boy. She puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> it puts the lotion. I'm giving it a thumbs up. Rock and roll. Matthew, thumbs up. I'll give it two thumbs and other appendages up. I'll give it a thumb. Okay, a thumb. All right, everybody, that is it for this week's show. Thanks for bearing with us through all our technical catastrophes, which none of them you have heard except for maybe one or two because it's late and I was editing this late. But you should know that I was fucking hilarious in every last one of them. Hysterical. Yeah. I'm still picking up my spleen. That's not your spleen. Oh, my God. I better go see the doctor. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening to this week's show. Remember, visit the website at Majorspoilers.com. Be our friend at MySpace. Be our friend on Twitter. Be our friend on Facebook. Even though we don't have a Major Spoilers Facebook page, the individuals of us do. Feel free to be our friend in real life because we could use some money. (laughs) Hey, everybody, we appreciate everything that you've done for the show, being a listener to the show, leaving your comments all over the place about the show. If you have questions or comments or topic ideas for future shows, if you'd like to sponsor a show, how about that? All you have to do is drop us an email at podcast at majorspoilers.com. That's podcast at majorspoilers.com. Next week, we have finally gotten the coveted issues of Scott Pilgrim off to Matthew. And so next week, we're going to be talking about Scott Pilgrim saving the podcast right here on Major Spoilers because we know that you love comics, and we do too. And we'll see you next time. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Star Raven, it's like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine bee in the Middle East with a king sign throwing soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. Oh, and I also bought a copy of X-Men number 44 in near mint condition. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. How much did you pay for that? $44 minus my discount. Would that be a five-finger discount? Nah. No. 
Uh, that was my employee discount. And what is uh, so great about X-Men number 44? X-Men number 44 is a reprint of X-Men number 19 with a Gil Kane cover. Uh -huh. The first, the first appearance of the greatest X Man of all time, uh, Archangel. What are you stupid? <laughs> Beast. I'm not speaking to you anymore, Stephen. W I'm ignoring you. Kitty Pride. Wilford Brimley. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that joke in the show. 